You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 273 of Podcateers. In this episode, we have even more D23 talk. I'm totally kidding. We're done with that. <laughs> but I did finish the D23 Day 3 vlog, and I'm getting ready to upload it to YouTube, so make sure to look out for that. We hope that you're subscribed and that you have that bell icon enabled for notifications when new videos are posted. Also, if you like the video, please make sure to give it a thumbs up. In this episode, we talk about Halloween time in the parks, the awesome new gingerbread house in the Haunted Mansion, plus we talk about intellectual properties in the parks. We would love to hear your thoughts on that subject. You can join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube. Just search for Podcateers and leave a comment in the post for this episode. You can also leave a comment on the blog post at podcateers.com slash 273. Before we do this podcast thing, I want to extend a special thank you to a group of listeners called the FGP Squad, aka our podcast, Fairy Godparents, because it's their generosity through their monthly contributions via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you like the podcast, it's a great time to become part of the FGP Squad. So if you'd like more info, a link to sign up, or even a way to make a one-time donation, you can go to podcateers.com FGP. And to all of the members of the FGP squad, we just want to say thank you for your continued support. Well, all right. I think we should get this thing going. What do you think? Oh, you need to refill your coffee? Um, that, I mean, kind of awkward, but okay. No problem. I mean, if you need, you need your coffee, you need your coffee. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, go ahead. We'll just uh, h- hang out here and we'll just uh, talk amongst ourselves. So, um, how you all doing? Halloween, am I right? It's coming. And, uh, oh, good, you're back. Okay, so here we go. This is episode 273 of Podcateers. Goat screams. Goat screams. <laughs> yeah. Like like goats that turn it's on like their the side. horror version of sound of music. <laughs> that get scared and then they flip themselves over. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, fainting goats are the best. They're so cool. Oh. I want one. <laughs> I want. Oh yeah, they make great pets. I would hug it and squeeze it and call it George. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think I'm delirious. I'm not gonna lie Me to too. you. Me too. I feel like I'm delirious. <laughs> I haven't gotten much sleep. Yeah, I'm the only one. I'm the only sane one in the house tonight, people. That's, that's so what it feels just, like. Just buckle that's up. That's what it feels like. So I don't know if I told you guys, but I, I, we may have actually talked about this off the podcast. I don't know if it, if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I, I recently made the decision to switch from Adobe Premiere to a different editing mm-hmm. application. Yeah. yeah. DaVinci, right? Yeah, DaVinci Resolve. And yep. mm-hmm. the reason I made that change was because uh, Adobe, I've been using Adobe since it was CS2. Okay? That's how long I've actually been on, on the Adobe train. Mm-hmm. And over the last two years, I've just had so many problems. Like, it just kept crashing on me. And I just, 
it, it was so slow. And you guys know my computer is old. It just cannot handle insane workloads. It's basically the fainting goat of computers. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. And so editing 4K video on this computer, definitely not an option. I can barely get away with editing 2K from my phone. And even that, like, it's like chugga, 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 chugga. <laughs> you know, most of the time. <laughs> and when, it, when I was editing in Premiere, that <laughs> happened a lot more often than I wanted to. And yeah. so I heard about DaVinci Resolve, and I was pretty psyched about it. I was watching these YouTube videos, and people are like, yeah, it's so much more streamlined, and it's this and that and blah, blah, blah. And so I finally decided to try this out because I thought, you know what? It can't hurt to try a new application. Worst case scenario, I'm going to like it and I'm going to convert over. And mm -hmm. I had so many problems with Premiere that it sucked the joy out of video editing for me. Like, I love editing video. And it just, I couldn't do it. There was so many problems that time after time, I would just angry shut down everything and just be like, screw you, video. And the last few videos that I've edited, including the panels at D23, the day one at the expo, those have all been in DaVinci Resolve. And I'm loving it. Like, I can't even begin to express to you how happy I've been editing in DaVinci Resolve. It is a whole different interface. There's a lot of similarities. For you video editors out there, it's not layer-based, it's node-based. And so there's a crazy mm -hmm. learning curve into that type of editing. So as I'm editing, I'm trying to teach myself this brand new piece of software. And so there's been certain things that I've been trying to do that I've thought to myself, oh, but I can already do it in After Effects. Maybe I should do it before my 30 days is up. Because, you know, 50 <laughs> bucks a month for Creative Cloud, it's a lot of money. So yeah, yeah, uh, that was part of the reason I wanted to shift over. And uh, yeah, I've been super happy with it. I think the video quality and the workflow that I'm starting to develop in DaVinci is allowing me to put together videos uh, in a lot faster form than I, I'm currently used to doing them. Just thinking back on the four or five videos that I've put on the web on, on YouTube from D23, I don't think I would have been able to even put one of those up if I was editing in Premiere. Like may yeah. maybe by next month, I would have put maybe. one of them up. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm loving the workflow. And the day three vlog, as we are recording this, is done. I need to go in and tweak a few more things, uh, time the music for a couple of items. But I ultimately, I ended up removing a couple of things because it was going to be over an hour if I left everything in there. And so I, mm -hmm. I kind of compressed it. And it's just about the same amount of time as the day one was. Uh, it's a, about 40 minutes, I think. It's, yeah. uh, once mm -hmm. you add commercials on a regular TV broadcast, that's a solid hour of entertainment right there. Yeah, it is. You know, so... <laughs> Uh, overall, yep. we need some sponsors. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a yeah, there's a thing that I added into this. Yeah, this one, I think, is a little more animated than the other one was because mm -hmm. there's a couple things in there that I flashed on screen that, you know, I just thought would be funny. It was kind of like inner thought nice. sort of things. And I generally don't do that, <laughs> but they just kind of fit what was happening that I thought, eh, screw it. It's, this is fun. I'm just going to add them. 
And maybe it's just that I didn't add them because Premiere was being such a pain in the tuchus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's obvious that DaVinci is working out better from a workflow standpoint because your output has been awesome lately. Like, it's been really high quality. Yeah. But, like, also, like, stuff is coming out, like, a lot more regularly now that you've kind of switched over and it's really interesting this kind of segues nicely into something i was going to talk about today uh your your story about da vinci versus adobe after effects because i was at an expo all weekend in pasadena called the lightbox expo oh, right on and this is Ooh. this is the first ever lightbox expo so it's it was the inaugural event and it was really really cool uh but it was kind of an industry specific expo that was really focused on the animation and digital illustration world of art you know as far as gaming um, app development animation and really just any kind of illustrative work that kind of goes in that or circles that realm so there's lots of disney artists and pixar artists and dreamworks and all the studios were there Uh, it was really cool but the major sponsor for the event was uh, an art app, which some of you may be familiar with, called Procreate. Oh, yeah. And Procreate is a $9.99 app in the App Store. And currently, within the industry, there is a mass adoption of Procreate and a mass exodus from photoshop yeah because photoshop is has been the traditional industry standard for like 25 years but because of that their price point is insane and you have to pay year after year for it and it's very cumbersome it takes up a lot of room it's not something that you can operate on most mobile devices, even though the new iPad OS is going to allow you to do Creative Cloud stuff on it. Um, it's just not a very fleet program anymore compared to a lot of these other things. And Procreate is. It is this incredibly powerful illustrative tool that can do mind-blowing things, and it's a $10 app. That's and insane. Every panel I went to over the weekend was, you know, artist after artist talking about how Procreate is like their go-to tool for everything. And so it's really interesting that I think that's one of the cool things about technology is that sometimes it does serve the people and a lot of people can get access to great, amazing tools for a much more affordable price than the traditional, you know, go-to places that we've always felt like we had to go to right yeah. mm-hmm. so like adobe's been the you know the big monster in the house that everybody kind of has to deal with but now we've got all kinds of other options and it's really cool yeah so i thought that was interesting because i too adopted procreate about six months ago and it has rocked my world with how amazing it is and how uh, you can easily get into digital illustration with the, it's just such an easy entry point and so that's really cool. I can totally relate to your story. And 
I think Adobe must be quaking in their boots these days. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think Adobe has gone from being a software company to more of a services company. I think most companies are getting into that services-based model. And Mm -hmm. like for me, like I said, the $50 a month for Creative Cloud, it is a huge dent monthly. Mm -hmm. Getting DaVinci Resolve is absolutely free. There are it's limitations, awesome. so uh, it's not perfect. I will say that. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like this is like the be all end all of video editing. It does have its quirks. I just, yeah, it's going to be difficult for me to jump back to Premiere after using this the sure. last few weeks. But there is like a ten dollar plan that has Lightroom and Photoshop, or fifteen bucks. I forgot what it is, uh, but it is discounted. That I will continue to use because I use Illustrator and Photoshop every day so i can't not have that but for video editing purposes i'm i'm switching i'm yes i i will i will nice. preach resolve from now on i'm so happy with it that's awesome so very cool so if you're still listening and we haven't completely <laughs> nerded out on video editing thank you for continuing to listen thank you for bearing with that Hope you guys have all been having a great week as you can tell i've been a little stressed out there's been a lack of sleep but it's okay. We're going to get through this and we're all going to be better for it. <laughs> uh, Halloween time is here. Yay. Everybody's like, hey, it's my favorite time of year. And I don't see Santa anywhere. No, it's like, the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> it's not Christmas yet. <laughs> uh, but... We did get a glimpse at the amazing gingerbread house for the 50th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion. I think Mm -hmm. as of this moment, Mel, you're the only one that's had a chance to see it in person, right? Yes. Okay. And photos don't do justice. Yeah, because you can't smell photos. Well, no. (laughs) True. Um, I really underestimated the size. Oh, it it looks enormous. It is huge. Mm -hmm. And you know how you're like, oh, okay, cool. It's the house and whatnot and you thought the other ones there was like one or two years ago where it was like really scaled up the one with oogie on it i believe so okay this one is like massive like they did mansion really good and i loved the representation and i didn't get to read the article i didn't i don't know what it mentioned but oh my god the pepper's ghost effect is amazing on it. Oh, yeah. I didn't know they have an effect on yeah. it. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. new to me. It, nice. It's awesome. Oh, Very okay. Cool. Well, now I have to make it to the park sooner. Yeah, <laughs> we were... Oh, man, I kind of regret not going now. So I was at downtown Disney this weekend because uh, if you guys were watching our Instagram stories or on Instagram, our buddy Sam was a featured artist at Wonderground and he debuted a new Fantasmic and a Country Bears uh, painting that he did. Super cool. So went down, showed our support. When I looked at the Disneyland app, the wait time I think for Mansion was just about 20 minutes. But uh, I I don't believe in rewarding my kids for bad behavior. <laughs> he had an incident at school, and so I told him, well, you know, we don't get a chance to go to Disneyland this weekend. We don't get a chance to do something you want to do. So when we went to downtown Disney, 
I could see it in his eyes. I was like, oh, we're going to go. And he knew that the mansion was debuting as Halloween already. So I think he felt that we were going to go. But even Sam asked me, you know, are you going to go into the parks after this? I was like, nope, we're going straight home. (laughs) And and we did. (laughs) We did. And yes, it sucks. Right. But it's also... You know, you also have to prove a point to your kids that, you know, you're not going to get rewarded for bad behavior. So, unfortunately, I did not get a chance to see it, but I do plan on going hopefully this week again. It's in my plans. Hopefully those plans nice. don't change and I get a chance to go because I just I want to photograph that gingerbread house so badly. You're going to have to ride multiple times because my eyes were going everywhere. Like, you just don't look at one spot and be like, oh, I can see everything. N- no, this thing is so good. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. When we posted on the Instagram account, I had read the official notice that it was available. Uh, and on the official post, they're like, it's 10 feet tall with 30 pounds of gingerbread, 120 pounds of frosting and icing, 140 pounds of fondant, and, of course, 50 years of happy haunts. I added that part. That wasn't a part of their article, but, you know, it's festive, so I had to add it. It's perfect. It works. Yeah. So I love it. I want to take a look at that. And uh, did you guys know that at Downtown Disney, it smells like candy corn as you walk through? No. What? Yeah. So. That's awesome. You know how they have, like, all the decorations in the planters and stuff? Yeah. Uh There's a bunch of Halloween-style candy, like a bunch of candy corn and everything, and Maybe it was just that I was smelling something from the confectionery or whatever the case was, or maybe salt and straw. I don't know. But as I was walking through, I, it distinctly smelled like candy corn. That's great. I love I it. I got to try this. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it was just the fact that they were piping something through for the theming and then making your mouth water so that you go buy yourself some candy. It <laughs> makes sense. It works on Main Street. Why not downtown it Disney? Totally right? does. It totally does. <laughs> So are you guys actually going to the Halloween party, Oogie, uh, Oogie Boogie's Bash this year? Unfortunately, not yes. for me. You're not. Oh, I. you are. I am. Okay. Do you know uh, how long it's going to be before you go? A couple weeks, three weeks? Uh, it's a while. We're not going until October 20th. Oh, wow. You're deep in yeah. there. Yeah, we're one of the later ones. Okay. Yeah, because um, the weekdays were not ideal for us. Um, partly because um, Charlie has the new Flex Pass. Oh, um, okay. And That's right. Yeah, and actually when we bought the tickets, she wasn't sure if she was going to have any type of annual pass at that time. Mm-hmm. So we decided to pick a Sunday, and the all the Sundays were eaten up until late in October. So, yeah, we'll be going the 20th, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. You're going to be nice. vlogging it, right? Yeah, I'm going to bring a film crew and a sound crew and some lighting people. Perfect. Yeah, we're going to we'll get you all mic'd up, up and right. everything. Hold on. Oh, you could just yeah. get one of those GoPro straps and just put it on your chest and just walk. True that. You could do that. <laughs> True. True. Or we can take Gavin's route and make a whole production out of it. It'll be like the Blair Witch Project, <laughs> but yeah. at DCA. I can shake a camera real good. Oh, yeah. I can do that, too. I can do that, too, as you can tell by the Day One Expo footage. 
Uh, yeah, so it, I, I would love to see what's happening, especially considering we're getting the Villains Grove Haunted Walkthrough Experience uh-huh. at Oogie yep. Boogie Bash this year. That is number one on my list. I cannot wait for it. Another in a long list of stolen ideas from the Pogketeers. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't even want to talk about that anymore. It's it, it's almost just too upsetting at this point. But yeah, the walkthrough area is going to be amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. The way it's described is the most conceptual, abstract thing I can imagine. And so I want to see what all of that is going to actually look and sound and feel like. So, yeah, I'll come back with a full report of that. And provided it's not too dark, I'll try and get as much good uh, photo slash video content for us. Blair Witch style. Yes. <laughs> I'll be like... <laughs> we might have to put together a little vlogging rig for you or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll see nice. what we can do. But yeah, nice. I I'm so curious as to what this thing is going to look like. I, it's all going to be outdoors in the Redwood Trail, mm-hmm. so yep. it's not exactly what we've talked about. I know that we've talked about bringing like the mazes indoors, maybe like Stage 19 or something similar yeah. to what they've done in Hong Kong with like the Mad Hatter and all that stuff. But the fact that they're finally bringing something that's more adult-ish in this style mm-hmm. is promising. I can't wait to yeah. see what it is. I can't wait to see Gavin's vlog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you bring the video, I will edit it, buddy. <laughs> uh, I'm also excited about the return of Monsters After Dark because I really do dig what they do over at yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy attraction. And I it makes me wonder if they'll do Halloween themes for the other Avengers Campus attractions when that opens up. Oh, interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. You, you never know. Yeah. It would be nice to see an Ultron takeover. That could be cool. Or uh, the children right? of Thanos coming down <laughs> to, to wreak havoc. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I think I mentioned it a few episodes ago, like a Loki's House of Mirrors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The next idea could, that will be used. Could be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should really just shut up. They're stealing <laughs> so much. Let's ah. <laughs> Uh, I like it. <laughs> I yeah, like it a lot it, it, because my LinkedIn page is going to say pseudo Imagineer. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, that's so true. funny. Okay, well, uh, yeah, there's so much to talk about Halloween wise. I know that uh, everybody goes crazy when the Mickey pumpkin goes up on Main Street. I'm already starting to see just tons and tons of photos being posted on instagram like i said i hope that i have a chance to go just like i have planned this week because if i don't i don't know when i'm gonna go because this weekend is kind of like my free weekend that i kind of had structured for that but i'll see Mm -hmm. i'm I'm just crossing my fingers cross your fingers for me there you go everything 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 perfect perfect (laughs) because i don't want to miss out so Halloween Screams is back. Nice. I actually I actually got to see it within maybe an hour and a half before showtime. So like queuing up for it, like standing yeah. waiting for it? Oh, you only had to line up that early. Yes. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Um and you know what seeing the projections on the castle that I didn't know that was new until like maybe a year or two ago. But all of it is back 
which is amazing considering nice. we don't need a ticket for this. Yeah. So Yeah, that's the cool thing. Yeah. For sure. It's just exciting. Um I was going to go live, but the moment I kept hearing like the first 15 minute mark or like they make the announcement, I'm already like dancing. I'm like I, I can't do this. I need to get it out of my system. So I apologize on that. Unless you wanted a really shaky version of, you know, me dancing. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my everything. People are fine. There's shaky vlogs <laughs> on the YouTube channel. It's all good. <laughs> but next time. Next time I will. If, now, <laughs> what's up? Are they doing the projections on the castle and on Main Street? Yes. Sweet. I, and I want to see it on Small World, too. Oh, I didn't know they nice. did them over there. I, kn- I knew about Main Street because I love those projections. They've got like the skeletons dancing. Yeah. yeah. If- you got the mansion wallpaper at one spot and it's really cool. Oh, they do this really cool thing where they project the facade of the building on the facade of the building and then they do it like a flip and like a like it'll flip upside down or something like it's this weird trippy effect that they do at one <laughs> point and it's so cool yeah dang yeah. i'm gonna have to check that out i think the projections on main street it's a small world i think that's pretty standard now yeah considering mm-hmm. that they have everything installed the technology is there adding a few graphics you know in preparation for a new fireworks show uh, yeah. is is great, especially considering when the winds are too high, you can still hear the music and still see a show, right? And right. I think that's why it's going to just be something that happens for every single fireworks show going forward. But like you said, Gavin, the fact that this is free and you don't need an additional ticket is the best yeah. part of this. Uh-huh. It's very cool. I remember watching this a couple of years ago, and it's changed you know, in the in the last couple of years. But I remember watching it and just enjoying it so much. This is another thing that I want to make sure that I have a chance to see. So as soon as I have a chance to go, I'll try to get this up on the YouTube channel as well for you guys to watch. So, yeah. Oh, so much goodness. And there's it's so, so much good. good food that they announced yeah. too. Like the thing, there's one particular thing that I'm curious about. And I know it's kind of boring, but... I want to try try the abuelitas horchata at Rancho del Zocolo because I'm boring like that, but I love horchata. And they have like this pan dulce thing split yes. with like ice cream. And it's, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I know. That sounds good. It's crazy. There's so much good stuff right now that. I like uh, it. Even I, the treats, like the churros and stuff. And, oh. Uh, <laughs> I love that they're using gummy worms. Oh, That's yeah. That's awesome. In, yeah. <laughs> in what? Uh, they have like a few drinks and they also have a few churros where it's like drizzled in chocolate, but you'll have uh-huh. like the gummy worms on top. Oh. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Do they have, so you, you mentioned the ice cream one. Do they have like a, any sort of like a float or like a big sundae? For Halloween, I haven't looked at any of the food yet. They have a float over at Schmoozies, I think. Oh, okay, because that's what I usually get if I get any sort of treat. I get ice cream. Oh, might as well just go to Rancho. You get that in a concha. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> it does, and I don't know why I didn't get it. I was just so caught up in everything. Well, I know you've got like seven more weeks to to get it. I know, so right? I I think I think you'll do it. The only problem is that it, these are the things that I really have to go by myself 
to do because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. each one is anywhere from like seven to twelve dollars. And when you're buying for like four people, it begins to stack up. And so I yeah. try not to do those like, oh, let me review this food video, which is why I always left it to AJ and VJ, right? Because I know yeah. they're going right. to eat it anyway. But <laughs> I would usually try to like bum a little bit off of theirs whenever I was with them in the park. Uh, because otherwise I'd spent like, look, I'm a freaking snack bar. Okay. <laughs> I love sweets. It's horrible how much I love sweets. I know it's a problem and I know I have to fix it, but I love sweets, which means that if I didn't police myself, I would be spending an average of $600 every time I went to the park on sweets. <laughs> wow. I know. I know. <laughs> I, it's an addiction. My name is Hazen. I'm addicted to sugar. Hi, Hazen. <laughs> As we speak, I'm eating pixie sticks. I'm not. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, yeah, there's so many good things. Uh, there is a tons of food to try out. I've seen a couple of posts with the food guides. If I don't get a chance to take oh, a cool. picture of the food guides, I'll definitely repost those on Instagram. If you guys want to check those out, try to find somebody that we know that posted them, repost those. And uh, if there's anything that you've particularly tried that you just think, like, you cannot miss this. You have to try this. Spend some of that $600 on this item. Mm-hmm. Join the conversation. Let me know in the post for this episode over on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers on any of the social networks. I'd love to hear what you've tried and what you can recommend because I'm not going to try everything as much as I want to. I'm going to limit it to a few things. I've, that's how I've started policing myself. I've started telling myself, look, you can't spend 24 bucks on a churro anymore. It's just unacceptable. Right. Well, especially knowing that the holiday food festivals around the oh corner, Oh, my too. God, yes. I know. I know. <laughs> Gingerbread Mickey. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, okay. You know, it's funny, it's funny that you mentioned that. Like, we're all talking about all this video stuff and everything. I, I remember having a conversation a long time ago with VJ about putting vlogs together and talking about how there's a bunch of stuff that he's filmed that he's never put out. And I'm kind of on the same boat, right? Because whenever I would try to vlog, I just could never put it in my head that I was actually vlogging. I would get too consumed, kind of like Mel, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about the fireworks show. Yeah. You get so consumed with what you're doing, you forget that you're vlogging. And so I wouldn't have an intro. I'd be missing a huge gap of like, time and then like before you know it you're home and you're like oh man i forgot i was vlogging you know and i i don't vlog at home i don't try not to vlog in the car if somebody's not with me to hold the camera and stuff so uh i i i have all this footage that i don't know what i'm gonna do with and so when we talked about it i remember this idea came up and i i don't remember if it was on the live stream or where it was but the idea of putting out these found videos or like from the archive type stuff where it's not necessarily a full vlog, but it's kind of like this was this day and here's kind of some of the stuff that happened on that day. Enjoy. And then you kind of watch the little clip or something, or, you know, maybe during a live stream, we'll kind of show pieces of some of that and we'll walk people through it. I don't know. I'm like trying to concept out what to do because no joke, I have hours and hours and hours of, unfinished vlogs that I don't know what to do with and I don't want to just delete them. Oh, 
Oh, maybe have them marked as like trip down memory lane. Maybe. I, I know I want to do something. I have unreleased footage of when the goats did their final run at Big Thunder Ranch. Aww. <laughs> this, it's weird how goats keep coming up in this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's a well, very goat heavy episode we got going here. I mean, look. I'm look, down with it. I love goats. Look, I mean, if there's a stick of dynamite in one of their mouths, then, you know. There you go. <laughs> it makes life exciting. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> However, if that went off and that was the reason that they flipped, that would be bad. Oh. <laughs> so, on that happy note, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we continue, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by a special group of people that we call the FGP Squad because it's their contributions via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcasters possible. If you want a little bit more information on how you can join the FGP squad, you can head over to podcasters.com slash FGP for more information. On that page, you'll find a link to our Patreon where you can sign up, give a one-time donation, do a monthly donation, you know, it, whatever you want, $5, $10, 20 10000 whatever. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. Every little bit helps. So to all of the members of the FGP squad, we just want to send out a huge thank you for your continued support. All right. So uh, I think it's time to move on to kind of the main topic for this episode. But it's going to be a little different this time because I feel like a lot of it is going to be my personal opinion. <laughs> I know it's all good. I know the internet loves personal opinions. <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how that goes. Especially considering that next week, Gavin, you're talking about Cars Land. Um mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about a term this episode that gets thrown around a lot in the Disney community, and that's mm-hmm. intellectual mm-hmm. property or IPs ah, yes. for short. Indeed. Now, I know that there's plenty of IPs at Disney parks around the world that we can talk about. And although I'll be giving you some background and some examples while I'm talking about this, I want to primarily focus on California Adventure, mainly because of the whole Cars Land thing. Also because of the stuff we learned at D23, you know, all the all the things that are coming in the park. So I think it's a good time to kind of talk about this. So let me start by saying that the term intellectual property has a fairly broad scope. Uh, Things like copyrights, patents, trademarks, and trade secrets are all considered intellectual property. Mickey Mouse is an intellectual property. In the context of the parks, though, people tend to use the term most when it comes to talking about characters and properties that the Disney company has acquired over the years and have made their way into the parks. There are those that absolutely hate this idea, there are those that tolerate it, and there are those that absolutely love it. And I don't know where we all stand on it. I have, I have a brief notion because I know we've talked about some of that in previous episodes. Listeners, I don't know where you stand on this, um, but, you know, I, I want to open this up to a discussion. You know, hopefully we can start a conversation about this. Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, Podcateers. I'd love to hear your thoughts after I'm done with my little presentation slash rant slash opinion on this. So, game on! (laughs) You guys ready? (laughs) Oh, I'm totally ready. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, uh, back in the early days of the Walt Disney Company, Mickey Mouse was the biggest thing around. I mean, we know this, right? 
worldwide, mm-hmm. children yeah. and adults alike, knew of the plucky young mouse and his antics, but not everyone connected with Mickey. Personal traits usually make you gravitate to characters that share similar interests as you. So, over the years, Mickey's stable of pals grew, and it wasn't long before you could buy merchandise with Minnie, Donald, Goofy, and the list just goes on and on. That same mentality can be used to describe why people gravitate to Harry Potter, Looney Tunes, DC characters, and so on. You share a connection with that property, and it becomes part of your fandom. Eventually, Disneyland itself would be built on intellectual property, except that a lot of it was intellectual property that was part of the public domain. Really, anyone can make a movie about The Little Mermaid, Cinderella, or even Snow White. You just can't use the likenesses of the ones that were created by the Disney company. Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer, heck, even Davy Crockett. Those stories were the basis of what much of Disneyland was built on. They were things that were at Walt's disposal that he enjoyed as a boy and even as an adult. So let's fast forward a bit, because over the years, we came to have many attractions that were non-IP based, and they were freaking amazing. Space Mountain, Jungle Cruise, Big Thunder, Pirates, prior to Johnny Depp's edition, The Haunted Mansion, Expedition Everest, the list goes on and on. And I know that Everest is not a California adventure or at Disneyland, but it's an awesome ride. I've seen the YouTube videos. I've wrote it on YouTube. It is awesome. So look, I I know. Okay. Mystic (laughs) Manor, I've also written through the means of YouTube. And look at how amazing that non-IP driven attraction is. These were all ideas from Walt and his Imagineers. They were all based on something, on an idea that existed, but were used to come up with unique experiences not specifically tied to any one character or property. And this is kind of where people begin to draw their lines in the sand. (laughs) Historically, creating shows and movies were a thing that only major studios could do. Comic books were something that you might get lucky enough to convince a parent to purchase for you while you're at the store waiting to pay for your groceries. But we live in an era now where we're constantly being bombarded by new shows, new movies, digital comics, and an overall abundance of content through sites like YouTube because the barrier of entry has gotten so small. That means that we're being exposed to more content about things that people like, their opinions, theories, and more. And it's because of that exposure that you're also getting younger fans. That early exposure means that major companies want to start catering to those younger fans as soon as possible. And they do. There's people that have always seen Disney as a quote-unquote child's brand. But that's never bothered me before. I've always seen it as a brand that brings me things that make me happy. And happy it does make me, damn it. At the same time, there's things like the Avengers that also make me ridiculously happy. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, I feel like growing up, there was this like clear delineation of fandoms where if you were a fan of this, you couldn't be a fan of that. And I mean, I I still feel like you kind of have that today, but fandoms have cross-pollinated so much that it just feels more acceptable to just like what you like and not get berated about it. This is why you see so many awesome artistic mashups. Like when would you have seen Belle walking into a TARDIS, right? Like it's just 
that type of artistic creativity only comes when you just let your fandoms collide. Which brings me to California Adventure. When DCA first opened, it was considered a failure. And it took a lot of money to convert it into what is now known as DCA 2.0. And actually, we talked about DCA 1.0 and 2.0 in episodes 243 and 244. So if you'd like to check those out, you know, once you're done with this episode, head on over to podcasters.com and you can listen to them there. But DCA lacked entertainment. It lacked excitement and the intellectual properties that we've come to love at Disneyland. There was none of that. The shortage of Disney characters angered guests. And why wouldn't they be? After all, it was an extension of the resort, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, kind of. DCA 2.0 really did bring more Disney characters into the park, but it brought more purchased characters from Disney's latest acquisition, Pixar. Almost 15 years later, it's hard not to think of Pixar characters as Disney characters, though. In 2009, the company made another huge purchase, Marvel. And look what we got. An amazing series of record-breaking films unlike anything that we've ever seen. And more cross-pollination happened. 2012 brought the characters of Star Wars into the Disney portfolio, and the potential of what we can see in parks around the world grew exponentially. Now, I know what you're going to say, but Galaxy's Edge, it's a flop. Haven't you seen all the articles? The Orange County Register says blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Well, look, (laughs) I get it, okay? I get it. Honestly, I think Galaxy's Edge is absolutely gorgeous, and it's an immersive experience unlike anything that we've seen at the Disneyland Resort, even over Cars Land, mainly because of how you're secluded from the rest of the park and how there's so many things to do in the park apps, and we still don't even have everything that we were promised for Galaxy's Edge. DCA is rapidly moving into what will one day be talked about as DCA 3.0. And this version is heavy on IPs. Marvel and Pixar are currently cornering the park's experience at DCA, as we've seen with the addition of Cars Land in 2012, the reimagining of Paradise Pier into Pixar Pier a couple years ago, and now the addition of Avengers Campus. These experiences aren't created equal, though. Pixar Pier was an injection of existing properties to essentially gussy up a portion of the park that seemed very non-Disney. Carsland and Avengers Campus were built from the ground up with a specific story and experience in mind. Some of the most fun experiences in the park now include more interactivity. This can be seen from the queues to the attractions themselves. This interactivity is also a way to keep people coming back. As new attractions are built, more interactivity will come along with it. I mean, think about what a theme park is. It's a place to go and have fun, to hang out with your family and friends, to escape the world, all while eating $24 worth of baked dough sticks doused in sugar and cinnamon. Am I right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) And that's what's being provided. The world has become much smaller because of technology, so we're all exposed to many things that at one point may have been almost impossible. It's that same technology that harbors innovation and participation. The same way that there's a child that wants to go be a princess, there's a child that wants to be a superhero. 
But where do they go? Until Disneyland began adding these experiences to the parks, they didn't have many places to go. They didn't have a place to be immersed in a situation that would give them that superhero magic until now. What I think it might ultimately come down to is representation. Everybody wants to be represented. Everybody wants to have a voice. I think that one of the biggest challenges of running a large company like Disney, Universal, or you know what, scratch that. Any company trying to provide entertainment is giving people what they want. But there's always going to be a fraction of naysayers. We've mentioned on the podcast before that it's quite possible that we may never see another attraction that is solely based on imagination versus IP. But if those IPs are used correctly, Disney can continue to do what it's done best since it opened in 1955. Provide magic. The only difference is that now it can do it to a larger audience. So there you go. There's my there's my thing on IPs. <laughs> That was really well said, uh, yeah. really well thought out. I have, I have some questions to pose um, to both of you um, to kind of further this discussion. Sure. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about um, the idea of IPs versus non-IPs when it comes to attractions. You know, we always love to do our armchair Imagineering and we have even fallen into the pattern of all of our ideas are first based on an IP and then we launch from that point. Right. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't design new space mountains or big thunder mountains or jungle cruises. You know, it's always based on a story that we already know. And I'm wondering what you guys think the reason for that really is like, why can't we, have something that isn't based on an IP. You know, Hazen, you mentioned that everybody wants to be represented, but it, the more specific you get into an IP, the more narrow your audience is, you know? Whereas if you just use the theme of space or the wilderness or the sea, you know, you, you, you're hitting a broader piece of the pie, right? So why is it that we need to have a, a, a character that we know ahead of time or a story that we know ahead of time to be able to pull these things off now? Okay, let me counter that with a different question. Let me use your space analogy, okay, as part of my, my own rebuttal here. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you, you want to bring in the NASA crowd, right? You want something as broad as space. From that NASA crowd... How many people do you think are either going to be Star Wars fans or Marvel fans because of the Space Wars or whatever they did with Marvel characters? Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe lots. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 think, I think more in terms of science fiction fans, not specifically yeah, yeah. one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I think more like Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and, you know, even more contemporary stuff like Interstellar then I hate to say it like this. Um, I think it just comes down to if you own the property, why not make money off of it? Sure. So do they make, you think they make more money off of something that is tied to their own characters because of what, merchandising? It could be because we're just so familiar with the characters that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we want to see them come to life or we want to be like them. 
it could be that that drives us into these IPs. But see, I, I could totally see Gavin's counter on this, too, because there's yeah. people that grew up with stories from Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov. And like when I read those, it just made my imagination soar and it took me to places that I've never thought I could go. Right. Just from sitting there reading a book. But now there's so much content out there that it feels like the larger percentage of people that used to read don't anymore there's a lot of responsibility i think like for me as a parent to teach my kids that hey look using your imagination is way better than becoming a mindless potato sure oh yeah the thing and i may have made a mistake by mentioning specific authors but what i was saying though is having a genre because whether or not you read or you watch things like science fiction is a major genre. You know, many, many, many IPs are based in what we would consider the realm of science fiction. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around why people need it to be tied to something specific. Why can't Disney create a new experience? That's a science fiction adventure of some sort, you know, whether you think of space travel or robots from the future, or even biogenetic engineering, like Jurassic Park kind of stuff. Like, you know, science fiction is so broad, and you can tell so many stories there. Why does it have to be, you know, Star Wars, or, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, or whatever we think of as science fiction now? Like that's what I don't get, you know, pick any genre, you know, and for me, I kind of wonder if it is, if it harkens back to what Walt feared, you know, we talked about it during the true life adventure episode where he became really concerned that he was seeing the disappearance of the wildernesses and the, the frontiers and the unexplored areas of our planet as we, you know, covered the surface, we explored everywhere and I think as we've kind of become exposed to all these things, you know, even space now is kind of blasé in a, when we think of it in a practical sense, you know, freaking car companies are now building rockets and sending them up to space, you know, like it's, you know, I, I wonder if Walt was right, if he was really prophetic in, in recognizing this disappearance of, you know, these ideas of frontiers. And with that, this sense of wonder and adventure and exploration that guests used to have in the 60s and 70s when they would bring a new mountain like Matterhorn or a new mountain like Space Mountain. And it didn't have to do with any of their movies. It had to do with this cool new place you could explore and this experience you could have. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, to me, that stuff is still so palpable and it's hard to imagine that you know if they were to like if space mountain never existed but they put it in today and you know opened it up just like it is i i have a hard time believing it wouldn't be successful i i just it's just curious i'm just curious um so let's let's talk about tomorrowland Mm -hmm. i know we both love tron would you prefer a brand new idea over the thought of we could possibly get tron uh, in that area? Honestly, I prefer greatness, which is what Disney excels at in this in this 
realm of theme parks, right? They are like, they're mm-hmm. still the standard bearer. I believe they could create something just as engaging as the Tron light cycle coaster, you know, with a new storyline, a new set of circumstances, a new setting didn't have to have anything to do with Tron, but you know, some sort of science fictiony experience. And I don't mean this whole discussion to be about science fiction, but <laughs> no, I, I, I get you know, what you're saying. <laughs> I, I, you know, because I feel like there are some very tired things there, and I think it wouldn't take much to create something that's better than Autopia and the submarines. And you've got a huge yeah. amount of space there. You've got an e-ticket footprint right there that you could do something broad and and really, you know, something that stretches far and. Yeah, I wouldn't care if it was Tron or if it was Disney's new space adventure, whatever they want to call it. You know, I think they would do amazing things no matter what. You know, I don't everything for me doesn't have to be tied to nostalgia or a fandom when I go to the park because I'm a that the park is my fandom, you know, and yeah, you know, I. I feel like I'm just as big of a fan of Big Thunder as I am of anything there, you know, and we all know how much I love Cars Land. We're going to reveal how much I love Cars Land next week. It's going to be ridiculously filled with opinions. Seriously. But. Like, seriously, you have no idea what you're in for. (laughs) I know. But, you know, I I don't know. I, I feel like. I feel like it could be done. I I think that I almost feel like at some point there has to be kind of a return or a, a turning away from, you know, the IP thing, because at some point they're going to run out of properties for one thing or run out of properties that make for a decent attraction. You know, it took them what 50 something years to figure out how to do a Mary Poppins attraction. Like, you know, not everything just lends itself to becoming an experience that's good enough for their parks, right? So, yeah. you know, you could come up with great technology and great ideas and come up with a new story. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying, but I think Mel kind of nailed it. A, a lot of it is based on familiarity, right? Where you can't market successfully just disney's space adventure over disney's stitches space adventure or the guardians of the galaxy rockets takeover and i i think that's what really is going to gear a lot of what we see in the parks going forward because it's easier to market Mm -hmm. can they make something like that absolutely but oh yeah but think about this and I thought about this last last night when I was kind of thinking about, you know, what I was going to say for, for this recording. Let's go back to 1970, right? The idea of Space mm-hmm. Mountain was just kind of being developed. You know, the, this, mm-hmm. you know, they're starting sketches and John Hench is all like, what if it looks like this? What if it looks like that? Walt Disney bursts into the room and says, guess what, everyone? I just bought Marvel from Stan Lee. What do you think would have become of Space Mountain? What do you think would have happened to the oh. parks in 1975? Would we have Tomorrowland the way that it is today? Or would we have seen an injection of IPs starting then with Walt? Hmm. See, I think people tend to say, hmm. this is not what Walt would have wanted. But we don't know what Walt would have wanted. 
Walt wanted to be successful. Walt wanted to bring happiness. And if he knew that those things would possibly bring happiness, don't you think he'd be the first one to say, hey, let's bring this into the parks? That's a possibility for sure. Um, I, Man, that example brings up so many thoughts in my head. But I, I feel like there was still a different mentality at that point. You know, it, it didn't, you know, th- most of what they created with Disneyland uh, was not based on an IP all the way up until the 80s, really. Almost every new thing they ever added to it, and the majority of the original park was not truly based on an IP. Really, it was just Fantasyland. That was it, but, right? But the Matterhorn is based on a real mountain. Well, yeah, but that's that's not it's not a, a movie. They're not telling you the story oh, yeah, yeah. of one of their movies. Right. That's that's what that's what this discussion's about, right? Not recreating something that might exist in the world because trains exist too, but that's not an IP. How right? dare you recreate it's, trains? Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's not. That's not what we're talking about. So. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I don't know that that would be the mentality i think the mentality at that point would be oh let's make some animated films based on these characters not you know let's make a let's do tomorrowland as a comic book now you know what i mean yeah like, I, I don't know it might have yeah. it might have but i don't i i don't necessarily see that i also don't see marvel as futuristic I mean, it's all supposed to be, at least the movies seem to be like they're set right now, right? It's just that they have yeah. access to high-tech stuff because of some super smart, super rich people. And aliens. Yeah, and aliens. Yeah. But it's not like futuristic. You know, it might be no. science fiction, but it's not future science fiction. At, at least the current Infinity Saga isn't necessarily futuristic. I think there right. are some that really delve into that. But they're right. not necessarily futuristic, no. Yeah, I, I, sorry, that's I think that's tangential anyway. Um, but I don't know. This is something that I I'm gonna have to grapple with for a while to really get my head around. Uh, and but I think it's a very interesting conversation because it yeah. has been the age old, you know, kind of discussion. The you know, not my Disneyland kind of discussion that has been going on since. You know, really, I think the beginning of this main discussion happened in 1986 when Star Tours opened. Yeah. Because that was the first time something non-Disney truly entered the park, right? Besides, like, restaurants and shops and things like that. Uh, And so from that point on, there's been lines drawn, you know. I, you know, they ruined Disneyland when they brought in Star Wars. They ruined Disneyland when they brought in Indiana Jones. You know, all this stuff, you know, where people drew their lines. You know, you mentioned Pixar earlier, Hazen. I don't think most people draw any sort of distinction with Pixar. Most people that I talk to don't understand that it was ever its own thing. Because they've always been Disney Pixar movies. And everybody yeah. thinks it's just Disney's computer animation wing. You know, like most people out there that are not like real big fans of Disney understand that there was ever any difference. Right. And so I don't think people make that distinction. But, you know, even with something that's beloved like Tower of Terror, people were like, what the heck? Twilight Zone's not Disney. That doesn't make any sense. But again, it goes back to my earlier comment. I don't 
care because they brought us amazing imagineering magic with those attractions right you know i think they're some of their best but you know i also think as we all know that pirates of the caribbean and haunted mansion and space mountain are timeless epic attractions that will never not be super popular right and i just want to be clear that i'm i'm not against imagineering bringing us a type of experience that is non-ip based i would love to see an attraction that is non-ip based that is just purely based on someone's imagination and an experience yeah. that they came up with because of mm-hmm. something that they experienced around the world somewhere like you know who i would want to do something like that joe Rody. i want him to come up yep. with just a whole section of the park of his world travels nothing tied to <laughs> anything just like Rody's corner and then he just kind of creates this entire land based on <laughs> f- flights and train rides and boat rides to every corner of the world that he's been to but like that would it. be fun but i don't know if we're ever going to get that And especially now with the acquisition of Fox, it seems less and less likely because now they can just base it on something that they own. It takes less time. The development process, in essence, would take less to take an existing property, give it a quick story, and then just build something around that story versus, well, let's come up with a theme. Let's come up with a story. Let's come up with a concept. Let's come up with this. Like, it's... You know, it, it, it seems like with the way that theme parks are trying to churn new attractions over around the world, it seems less likely that we're going to get that creativity flowing unless mm-hmm. we get something at Imagineering that's similar to the Spark Shorts, but we get Spark Tech. And ah. like they start coming that up with these cool. like random models and attractions and maybe somebody comes up with the next big thing and in DCA 4.0 we get that or the next phase of Disneyland for the 100th anniversary we get something like that who knows but I think as we stand right now especially as Disney tries to kind of remake the money that they spent on all these properties we're going to see a lot of them coming into the parks because that's what they're going to make money on because it's what people are familiar with (sighs) yeah you're probably right I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I it's feel like fine. I just broke your heart. <laughs> no, you didn't break my heart. I, I know this to be true. Uh, I just It's just weird to me because I guess I don't necessarily see exactly what the revenue stream is when it comes to an attraction in the park because they don't have merchandise for every single attraction, right? So it's not that. And already enough people are buying tickets to the park. You know, the I mean... Honestly, are, do they want it to be max capacity every single day? I like, mean, is that what they really want? They're going to sell $24 worth of churros to each person, maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's a scary I, thought. I, yeah. I, we need a third park at some point. Oh, we definitely just, just do. Spread everybody out. We definitely do. <laughs> Fox Park coming soon. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd get rid of downtown Disney for another park. Sold. all right well there there's our our brief talk on intellectual property now we want to hear from all of you 
Uh, it's a subject that's been bounced around for many years now. Uh, I don't think I've said anything that's revolutionary. I think I've aggregated my thoughts on a lot of the articles that I've read over the last five to ten years now, maybe. Um, but, of course, uh, uh, some of it was my opinion and how I feel about how things are coming to the park. And I do want to make clear, like I said, that I'm not against anything coming into the parks that's non-IP-based. I would actually love that. I love things that are based on imagination. But realistically, I think we're just going to see a larger injection of these IPs into the parks as we go forward. And, you know, it, it was funny because when I was preparing for this, I wonder to myself, like, how many people actually think about intellectual property when they think of the word Disney? And so in our Instagram story yesterday, I posted the question, what do you think of when you think of uh, the word Disney? And mm -hmm. so here's some of the answers that we got. At Joel's car, family, fun, and memories. From Kristen at Kremlin, pure happiness. Mm -hmm. Another answer on here, great joy. Here we have a message from Kim. I discovered Disney when I was five, watching reruns of OG Mickey Mouse Club and have loved it ever since. Here's another one that just says, happiness. Here's one from listener Yasmin that says, makes me happy. Here's one from FGP squad member Latasha. Me spending money because if it's Disney, <laughs> I probably want it. And guess what? We feel the same way. We feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, here's one from a one Seth Audison. Oh, nice. That's my cousin. <laughs> yeah, this one says, Aww. Adventures and memories, past, present, and future with family and friends. Pure Sweet. happiness. Uh, here's a message from Jennifer. Happiness with multiple exclamation points. FGP squad member Nicole answered, Pure joy, excitement, and unbridled imagination. Mm -hmm. See, so there's this theme, right? And just the trend was nobody said IPs. Nobody said intellectual properties. Like the sure. only thing that Disney brings is happiness. That's what kind of made me feel like, you know what? Regardless of what's coming into the park, it's catering to somebody's happiness. It might not be your happiness in particular, but it's somebody's happiness. It's somebody's happy place. You know, and Disney just has billions and billions and billions of people around the world that love their product. And they have to try to cater to billions, not to one, you know? True. So um, mm -hmm. Just listening to those answers, I mean, I just couldn't stop smiling because it's, it's relatable. Yeah. It's relatable. And it's awesome to hear that happiness is, is, it, is the running thing. I mean, yeah. it's for many of us. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. I think uh, I think we dropped it in a good spot. And like I said, we'd love to hear from all of you and hear your thoughts on this. Are you cool with the IPs making their ways into the parks? Would you like to see something original? Let us know in the comments, either on the blog post or this episode, podcateers.com slash 273. 
Podcasters on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Or if you're listening to this on YouTube, you can drop a message in the comments section. And it, while you're there, if you like the episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up, and ring that bell icon for notifications whenever new videos are posted. This week also, by the way, we're going to be posting the day three of the D23 Expo. So that is coming up. I'm so happy that I finally got that done. It's going to be uploading soon. Oh, and by the way, if you listen either on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, it'd be great if you leave us a review because those reviews help kind of make us seen by other people. You can also tell other people. And if those aren't the aggregators of your choice, we're now available on iHeartRadio. Whoa. So big time. <laughs> Podcasters is now on iHeartRadio. So if that's the, the way you like to listen to podcasts, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast there. Or if you know somebody that uses iHeartRadio for their podcast, be like, hey, you should listen to Podcasters. And they'd be like, Podca what? And you'd be like, Podcasters. It's, it's a cool Disney podcast. Trust me, you're going to like this. <laughs> and then they'll listen and be like, whoa, you were right. I totally love it. This may not be the actual conversation. <laughs> We're available on all of those services, regardless of which one you select, or if you listen to us on podcasters.com. We just want to say thank you for spending a little bit of time with us on a weekly basis. We truly enjoy all of your comments, all of your interactions on social media, and your interactions at the parks. We love when we get a chance yeah. to meet all of you. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up for this week. So until next time, keep dreaming. Keep moving forward and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Major look. <laughs>